With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bongiorno. <laughs> Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, if you don't follow Potterless on social media, you may have not seen that I got engaged to Kelly over the weekend. That's pretty cool. You should be following me on social media. What are you doing? Second, those live show tickets for New York and Boston are still available. If you go to multitude.production slash live, hurry before they sell out. Third, it is the first episode of Potterless in May. Here at Potterless, each month we donate $1 for every member of our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless to a different charity. And at the time of recording, we have 764 patrons, meaning that we are donating $764 to kind-hearted Lunkins. I don't know if it was just because I was on vacation and not checking news, but I feel like I heard a lot more about a building in France being burned down than over 290 people dying in the Easter bombings in Sri Lanka. So it's an awful tragedy. I hope it's been given the attention that it needs needs and I want to do anything that I can to help. So we are picking this charity. If you want to learn more about this charity, you can go to kindheartedlunkins.com. Outside of setting up this relief fund for the bombings, they do a lot of great work in Sri Lanka. And thanks again to listener Natalie, who suggested donating to a charitable cause about this tragedy. And finally, on some happier news, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Courtney C., Chelsea Kemp, Mackenzie Rakowitz, Nilly, Ellie, Jamie Smith, Sarah Hickey, Lainey Van Sant, Solana Warner, Kelsey Grace, Philo Green, Felix Seidel, Thomas McDonough, Sean Corcoran, Lois Cook, Stephanie Hofer, Delaney Brooklyn-Burke, David Kennedy-Farner, Yale Azair, Adam Farrington-Horsfall, Andy Cantor, Sarah Demuccio, Lace Pike-Parker, Lindsay S. Seacrest, Christy Glez, Kyle Ossinger, Randy Klett, Jennifer Chen, Sienna Kincaid, Joshua Pans, Lucy Chata, Jordan Colley, Ava Strau, Katie Pomeroy, Elo, Sophie Ashworth, Marina Sherbach, and Bony Pony, a pronunciation correction for Kafir, Shal, Tiel, and Tajinder Chumber. Shout out to Sam Jackson and Sean, Susan, and Daniel Fitzgerald, who upgraded their pledge. A huge shout out to Sarah Shetter, who upgraded to the producer-level patron status, and a huge shout-out to our newest producer-level patrons, Peter Vostanak, Yash Patel, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Aileen Jesh, Kate L. Dobbs, Violet Sullivan, Hannah Suzanne Gormley, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Elizabeth Agathon, and Fielding Lee. They join the ranks of Leanne, Vicky Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Frank Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Kieran, Rebecca Abid, Caitlin, Rosemary, Jill, Marie, Lisa, Ariel, Romina, Kamel, Russell, Dustin, Audra, Eleanor, Sydney, Billy, Rossanne, Andrea, Nikita, Lala, Chelsea, Taylor, Love, Cash, Cassandra, Roxy, Amelia, Sean, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Jessica, Arna, Tiago, Jessica, Orchid, Steve, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Marino, Moster, Pinky, Angelina, Ross, Marie, Lee, Alex, Brian, Caitlin, Finn, Mosin, Grace, Sammy, Raul, Ingen, Mari, Brianne, Alexandra, John, Jen, Noel, Tao, Emily, Michael, Robin, Patricia, Will, Liz, Mariah, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Teal, Sina, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Ali, Cat, Hallie, Veronica, Kevin, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Lucinda, Carlos, Pam, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, Dead Cat Lady, David, Elisa, Lynn, Emily, Ryan, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Kimberly, Srujan, Brittany, Nita, Tumnus, Remy, Matt, Sarah, Lauren, Nova, Kyle, Zena, Emily, Colleen, Harlan, Akanksha, Wouter, Shelby, Noelia, Reese, Adriana, Brian, Yukamib, Washin, Jenny, Nikki, Kara, Dorcas, Courtney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Lauren, Claire, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Tajinder, Sky Mart, and Can't I Potter? Who never lose their cameras when they're on vacation in Italy. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive merchandise, discounts on the merch the merch store, you can head to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 75 of Potterless covering Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows chapter 24 with Helen
Roland Saltzman and Martin Ostwick. So we get now into chapter 24, The Wandmaker. So Harry is super sad, obviously, but he does realize that he's in the right place because Dean, Luna, Fleur, and Bill have come out. Harry asks about Hermione. They say that Ron brought her inside. Harry then wraps Dobby up in his jacket. Dean brings in Grip Hook, and they all follow. Harry has a vision then of Voldemort punishing everyone left in Malfoy Manor, which I think is great. I'm glad that Harry got to see this. We could be like, aha, those idiots. Yeah, Yeah, the Death Eaters do not have a good time, Mm -mm. as aforementioned. Yes, that is the theme of this episode. Death Eaters, not great. Bill suggests burying Dobby, and Harry says he wants to do it properly without magic. So he asks for a spade, which is a very British way to ask for a shovel. Okay, here's my question. Uh If it's so unusual to dig the non-wizarding way, how come there are at least three spades at Bill's house because two other people help him dig? Yeah. Why has he got spades? Doesn't need him, he's a wizard. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe it's the fact that he's like actually doing it with his hand. Maybe as a wizard, you still need to like, you know, when guarding Liviosa, the spade itself and then it's like magically still doing the digging mm. like maybe you can't just do like dig in the ground or maybe it's one you know when you go to those sort of like cafes and there's like artisanal things that aren't are just decorative like old radios oh. or alarm clocks old and cameras maybe wizards just have all kinds of muggle shit in their houses because like oh isn't it quaint how they dig through <laughs> holes with these things i mean arthur weasley does have a collection of muggle stuff so mm. maybe there we go. bill took after his dad and just as much as stuff do wizards get enough exercise because they no, they can kind no of no way act Operate everywhere. Their household tasks are so much easier. Mm-hmm. They're all out of shape. I think heart heart disease and death eaters are the biggest causes of death amongst wizards. Yep, it's got to be. I think probably magical accidents uh. and maybe mythical creatures. Well, that's probably or cool. evil sentient metal hands that you know you to death. It's it's a real problem. <laughs> what do you think the significance is of Harry deciding this? This is a very kind of non wizard way of showing contrition and devotion yeah i guess it's just like you earn it more if you have to like go through the effort of digging the grave Mm. that being said like how big is dobby like two foot three like harry's making this big fucking deal about like oh i'm gonna dig this hole like how big is the hole well they jump into it to keep digging it and you think that's not really necessary it only needs to be a foot or two deep he's a tiny little being because you have to bury him as deeply as a human even if you don't he's got to go the full six feet yeah right do you think also harry needs just a manual task to take his mind off the trauma of another being dying for him. Well, it turns out that that actually plays in his favor. While he's digging, he feels the scar burn, but he's able to kind of like shove it out of his mind and not worry about it. Do you feel like he could do some domestic chores? Like, I feel like he could do the washing up, but that's too like feminine of all for him. So he has to do something manly, which I think is really toxic. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I got to dig a big hole. Yeah, well, I'm a he man. Just, he, could, he could just prepare dinner for the other people. Well, <laughs> I also wonder whether he just doesn't want to be around other people. That's true. Because mm-hmm. he's grieving yeah. and he feels guilty because so many people have died for Harry Potter over the series. Yeah, very common theme. Yeah, and when you're 17, I mean, that's hard to take at any age. He's still only 17. Yeah. That's happened to him since birth. He's Jeez. he's wearing a lot of guilt. Woof, 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 woof. Although Dobby would be very happy about it, I think. This is like the ideal scenario for Dobby to be able to die for Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. In addition to it being perfect and exactly what Dobby would have wanted, he went out like a champ. Yeah. Disapparating people, saving lives, breaking a chandelier, fucking shit up. Like, he did some <laughs> dope stuff. 
He's got a taste for the dramatic. Oh, for sure. Definitely. So Harry then takes pleasure in the fact that he is able to control the Voldemort visions. And my thought is that Harry, anytime he starts to see these visions, he should just pull a Kevin Bacon from Footloose and just like anger dance his way <laughs> through an abandoned warehouse anytime he wants to keep Voldemort out of his brain. And I bet Daniel Radcliffe would have loved to do that in the films. I think he would have. I just last night saw Daniel Radcliffe in a play here on Broadway. I saw him in the lifespan of a fact. He was genuinely incredible. He was so good. Was there a lot of dancing? There was not a lot of dancing, but he did speak in a very convincing American accent for the whole play. Oh, good. Because I think that is a difficult one for Brits to get on top of. Yeah. Yeah, he nailed it. He was very good. He was very funny. I was kind of smuggling into like, uh, this guy only got cast because he was Harry Potter. And then very shortly into the play, I was like, oh no, he's a very talented actor. I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) My apologies, Mr. He's done a lot of plays. Yeah, he has done a lot since. So Harry attributes this ability to the grief of Dobby, and he knows that Dumbledore instead would have said that it was the power of love. (laughs) And of course, Harry being Harry is like not okay with this because, uh, love is so girly. I can't love things. God, why haven't wizards eliminated toxic masculinity? Like he's 17. He's not like... 12 like he should have oh girls growth yeah exactly (laughs) he likes girls i suppose he hasn't had strong female role models well he's hermione though he hangs out with hermione all the time yeah Mm. and take it back mcgonagall yeah yeah molly weasley she's badass yeah yeah if anything all the men in his life are awful yeah hagrid's all right yeah (laughs) there's a lot of bad dudes yes yeah harry should be looking up to these strong women so Harry reveals that Voldemort was at Nuremberg, not Nuremberg. Nuremberg. <laughs> Where he should have been. I bet he was at Nuremberg as well, just as a spectator. With Tony Blair and George W. Bush. So this definitely confirms finally that it was Grindelwald that he was talking with. So Dean and Ron come out and they say that Hermione's being looked after by Fleur. Girls. Girls doing nurse stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm, of course. So then there's this great quote from the narrator that says, Harry had his retort ready for when they asked him why he had not simply created a perfect grave with his wand, but he did not need it. <laughs> like Harry just going in being like, oh yeah, these guys are going to ask me this question and I'm going to burn them. Just like thinking the worst of his friends. And then uh, they don't. No one cares. <laughs> what do you think the perfect retort was? They don't say what it was. Oh, let's see. Well, knowing Harry it probably would have been like, why don't you dig the grave? You know, like nothing thoughtful or clever at all i used to put my magic bang in your mum. <laughs> jeez <laughs> i mean that's the best i could come up with oh no, not bad not bad it's about his standard he's been at a boarding school for a lot of his life yeah he's 17 so they wrap him up dean gives him a little hat Aww. dean conjures a hat specifically which i think is great they bury him and then the others come out harry notices that skelligro which i still hate the name of is in fleur's pocket And Luna then closes Dobby's eyes and he says there, now he could be sleeping, which is very sweet. You know what? Luna handles traumatic events extremely well. Very, very Throughout these books. She's very calm. She's also quite practical. Mm -hmm. I know you're supposed to think she's loopy at the beginning, Mm -hmm. but actually she's a very useful character. Yes, she really is. And she's very mature. And you're right. Deals with grief and serious situations very well. I guess because she's suffered the loss of her mother at a young age. She did at nine, I think, which rough. So Harry feels that Dobby deserves a funeral as dramatic and grandiose as Dumbledore's, but he has something so simple. Luna says that they should say something and she gives a long thank you, which is very nice. Ron just says thanks. And Harry can only muster a goodbye Dobby. 
Harry asks for a moment alone, so everyone leaves. He then grabs a stone, and he puts it by where Dobby's head is under the earth, and then etches, here lies Dobby, a free elf, with the smaller of the two wands that he has, which is great. And then I made a note for myself, so I wouldn't forget in all caps, to ask Helen about <laughs> what her thoughts on writing in gravestones is, since we had a whole <laughs> TED Talk about how uh, someone made a very fun spelling mistake. Yeah, there was a typo on my grandmother's gravestone. Uh, it said something bland, like remembered with love and respect by all her family and friends. But the gravestone makers left out the R in friends, which really changes the sentiment in that slogan, <laughs> which did not go down well with certain factions of the family. See, that's the kind of thing where it would speak volumes of someone if they were so wonderful that they were still beloved <laughs> by their enemies. Yeah. If they like miswrote that on my grave, I'd be like, no, 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 keep it. That's good. Just thought it was <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. And it probably will always be the funniest thing. I mean, I haven't even seen the grave in person because it's in South Africa. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't been my mum sending me a photo from gravesides, I would have assumed it was photoshopped because mm -hmm. it's such a perfect error because otherwise if they'd left out the D, e. yeah, yeah, well, like it, it just wouldn't, they probably would have left it just to save the admin of getting it redone. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. Or even if they'd left the N out, frieds, because Jewish people eat fried food for Hanukkah. I feel like the S, the S would have been the worst though. Like, much, <laughs> must miss by family and friend. <laughs> just one friend. She was 99 when she died. Her friends were dead. So it's fair <laughs> enough. I don't know if this is a common thing, but Kelly watched that TED Talk when she was like, who's Helen Zaltzman? I was like, oh, she's great. Watch this video. She's very smart. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, that happened to her grandma. No. Well, they, they misspelled her last name like three different times. Ew. Do these places not have Microsoft Word with spell? <laughs> like how there's not that many words on a grave. Like how no. do you keep making that mistake? It doesn't seem hard. Yeah. And the same tropes come up again and again. And I doubt that anyone has ever requested fiends <laughs> for any reason. But I guess it is uh, a word, so it wouldn't get the red squiggly line underneath yeah. if it was just an error. But the last name thing, that is insulting. Yeah. Three and times. Like multiple times. Ridiculous. Was that multiple times on granite? I mean, it was just they like they made three different ones. Yeah, I think it was on granite. Oh. I'll have to ask Kelly to double check. The thing is, you check it before you engrave it right. on, a, on a piece of stone, right? You would think, especially after you mess up the first time. Yeah. Like, yeah. you'd be like, all right, let's not waste another large stone slab. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, big old whoops. So, Harry, thankfully, no spelling mistakes. <laughs> what would be the good letter to leave out in Here Lies Dobby, a free elf? Uh... There's no good one-letter spelling mistakes here. Missed opportunity. He could, have, he could have misspelled it a fire elf, which would sound like something really cool, <laughs> but not, not something that happens in the Harry Potter universe, but still. Nah. Fire elf. Yeah. <laughs> so Harry then enters the house, and he hears Bill mentioning that Ginny is safe because she was back home for Easter. So they've used the Fidelius charm and to move everyone out of the borough. They've got people in Muriel's, and they say that eventually they will move all of the people here to Muriel's because she has room. Harry washes up and then has some sort of meditation in the bathroom about Dumbledore helping since he's convinced that that's who sent Dobby with the little eye in the mirror thing. I don't know. It was weird and it's definitely not in the movie, but he comes back and he is pure not messing around Harry Potter. Yeah. He says he needs to talk to Ollivander and to Griphook, but separately from everyone. Bill gets a little upset and Harry quickly shuts him down like, look, we have a mission. You know that I'm not supposed to tell you the mission. Just let me talk to these people separately. Yeah. Listen, Dragon Twilight. 
twat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he dragon twat? No, he's not uh, dragon twat. That's uh, yep. Charlie. Charlie is dragon twat. Oh, sorry. What does Bill do? Uh, he works at the bank. Oh. He's a curse maker. He has a ponytail. He does have dragon skin boots and he has like one fang earring. He sounds like an A&R man from uh, a record label of the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. It is the mid 90s. Yeah. He's like what cool is supposed to be in the mid 90s. But you could call him like dragon boot twat. Okay. Bank wanker. <laughs> Yeah, so he tells Bank Wanker to go stuff off. <laughs> so then Harry has to choose between Horcruxes and Hallows, and he chooses Horcruxes by talking to Grip Hook first. I do wish J.K. Rowling had chosen between Horcruxes and Hallows. Because, yeah. you know, you get used to the idea of the Horcruxes, and then you're like, oh, more items that we have to keep track of. Because it's just like a bit of a sequential chase for them to be like, okay, better find the next Horcrux. Oh, what? another Horcrux. And then she introduces like this new MacGuffin. The story of the Deathly Hallows is really, really complicated and it has its own logic about the succession of the wand. That's just one of the Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. And all of that stuff is going on you can't resolve the Horcrux stuff to the end. You couldn't be like, okay, we've got the Horcrux to sort it so we can kill Voldemort. Let's move on <laughs> to the Deathly Hallows. Like, you need them to happen at the same time. And it just becomes such an operation to keep all that all of the lore and all of the like ownerships and locations in your head i remember when i first read this book i got really confused mm-hmm. by this point in the story of just like who's, who's looking what for what yeah which are the good bits and the bad items yeah i guess what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be this like moral quandary where the hallows are more tempting because they make you invincible and powerful etc cetera, etc cetera. but dumbledore told harry and the squad to go get the horcrux it's like listen to dumbledore he knows what yeah. he's doing the other thing is like voldemort is not going to look for the Horcruxes, so it's not supposed to like be some like judgment of his character by saying, oh, look how foolish he is because he went for the Hallows. Well, yeah, he made the Horcruxes, so he doesn't have to look for them. Yeah. But also, we're about two-thirds of the way through the book, and they've only found one. They're not doing a great <laughs> job. They found one additional one, and they didn't even do anything. Someone else put the sword in the lake where they happened to be. So they're not doing a great job on team find the rest of the Horcruxes. Is is the sword a Horcrux? I thought it was just an implement with which they can destroy the Horcruxes. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. I can't keep track because there's too many mythical items. <laughs> the, the, locket, the locket is what they got, and they used the sword to kill it. So yeah, the locket was some craftiness. But even that... I don't know. They haven't made a whole lot of progress. Yeah, it's a bit like um, Monopoly where, like, you're gathering money and hotels and houses, but also, like, a railway company or whatever. It's a lot to (laughs) concentrate on. You've got waterworks. Fun. Here's your $50, Grandma, because I landed (laughs) on a waterworks. Look, it's a solid income. (laughs) So Harry decides to talk to Grip Hook first, and he tells the squad to join him. While they're going upstairs, Harry asks Hermione if she's okay, and he does tell her that she was amazing by coming up with a story while being tortured. And this is one of the few times that Harry like gives anyone a compliment. So good on Harry, especially for Hermione, who's been holding shit down the entirety of this book. Yeah, and she's mm. just been getting hit with a lot of strong, painful torture curses. Yeah. And they're just like, oh yeah, Hermione's fine. It's okay. You don't have to spend any time with her in these chapters. You are great, Hermione. Yeah. Griphook and Harry both do this thing where they're like, oh, you you probably don't remember me, but Griphook is the one who brought Harry down to the vault in book one, where Harry was going to his vault. So this is, again, much like the Penelope Clearwater thing. This is a character we haven't seen in a bunch of books. 
neat, uh, <laughs> which is happening a bunch in this book. Yeah, no need to come up with a new one. We've already got one. <laughs> so Griphook calls Harry an odd wizard twice, once for digging Dobby's grave by hand and once for saving Griphook, who's a goblin. And Harry is a bit confused about why, but then we learn that goblins and wizards are, are not doing so well as, you know, co-mingling as species in the same world. So Harry tells Griphook that he needs help breaking into a Gringotts vault. He wants to break into the Lestrange's vault. And this is when I realize why Bellatrix is freaking out so much is, oh, there might be other Horcruxes or at least a Horcrux in this vault. So that's why she was freaking out so much at the thought of someone having access to their vault in Gringotts. Ah, uh, should have got Bitcoins instead of gold. <laughs> I mean, if you got them in 1996, yeah. <laughs> it'd be way early in on the game. It's before the first dot-com bubble burst as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could do a whole lot of things if they were ahead of the game. Yep, but they're not because they're like anti-technology. They are very, very silly, those wizards. Griphook says that there's no chance that they can get into the vault. And he starts reciting the rhyme that's on the outside of Gringotts. And Harry says, yeah, yeah, I know the fucking lyrics. Spare me. <laughs> uh, and... He then tells Griphook that he can get by in a technicality, though, because him going after the vault is not for any sort of personal gain. Mm. So Griphook is unsure about it, voicing his concerns of how, quote, wand carriers treat other races. He says that the wizards won't share any sort of wand lore with any other race and that they treat other races poorly, which is valid. But... Ron brings up a valid point that goblins don't share their metalworking skills with other races either. So no one's perfect. Everyone in this world is awful. I like one carrier as like a sort of mild slur. Mm. And it's so like milk toast as well. Yeah, you dirty <laughs> wand carrier. It reminds me there's apparently there's an insult for um, bad chess players amongst grandmasters. It was wood pusher. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got all through these books, racism within the wizards and then you've got like them all being lumped together in the term wand carriers here. Yeah. The wizards are so racist that they're racist like within themselves and then also for other races that are not wizards. Like yeah. they couldn't just stop at thinking wizards are better than everyone else. They're like only the purest of wizards are yeah. better than everyone else. But they've still got wizard privilege. Yeah. I, I do think it's a little clunky, isn't it? Like if we were meant to view both the Death Eaters and the Goblin Wizard rivalry as a, as a metaphor for racism and Ron is basically going like, what about reverse racism? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mediocre white man. What about me? Yeah, how do I get to learn about your metal work? <laughs> oh no. Actually, I bet Ron would be quite good at metal work. <laughs> yeah, he's a real plodder. <laughs> so, so Ron brings up that point about the metalworking. Harry tries to stop this whole argument saying, let's not make this about race. But Griphook says that it's entirely about race because if Voldemort takes over, he will make it so much about race and yeah. wizards already don't care. At this point, the goblins are being attacked by Voldemort. So why would a goblin be nice to wizards anyway? Like wizards should be standing up for goblins right now. Hermione says that they are different, though. She brings up that she's a mudblood, and she was the one that was chosen to be tortured out of the whole group. She also then references Spew, and then Ron has to, like, hide his face because he hated that group the whole time. But he had to put on a poker face and be like, yeah, we love, oh, man, we love House Elves so much, dude. Gosh, they're so good. I feel like Hermione's not covering herself in glory here, where her basic argument against, like, Oh, aren't wizards racist? And the hero argument is, yeah, a lot of like wizards are making brilliant white saviors. Why are you complaining? She's had her off day. 
she's she not has, being as right has, on as she might be that's in true. other circumstances. She's not very work in this scene. Yeah, she's basically pulling the, like, not all wizards. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. <laughs> I'm a really good wizard. Shower me with praise. I'm a mudblood. I'm the victim here. And then she does have, like, a brief moment where she calls herself a mudblood, and then Ron is like, don't call yourself that, and she pulls, like, a I'm reclaiming the word yeah, moment. Yeah, she reclaims mudblood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you feel about jk rowling doing politics in uh, this book. Uh, i don't know i mean it would be better if she wasn't so bad at it now <laughs> she's the epitome of like talk a big game where she's like oh no yeah look dumbledore was gay the whole time yeah totally 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 yeah yeah yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah oh there were jewish kids in the book yeah mm -hmm, yeah, yeah look at the cast of crimes of grindelwald like the top eight people are all white I don't know. I feel like she talks a big game about mm. being like woke and diverse, but she's actually not. And then hires Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. Nice work, JK. Oh yeah, Nagini was a Korean woman the whole time. Uh, <laughs> uh, wasn't she a slave? Uh. You're saying that Parcel Tongue is Korean. Well, maybe. Oh gosh. Oh, JK, digging a hole. And, and she's using magic to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does call a spade a spade. <laughs> So, all right, past Mike, let's pump the brakes on this J.K. Rowling tirade, especially since indirectly she gave you your career. And speaking of that career, it's time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode is brought to you by another podcast that I've created, Modern Muckraker. If you enjoy podcasts that I make, but you want something a little bit different, you might enjoy Modern Muckraker. Modern Muckraker is a scripted show that I created with a wonderful team where I play the role of an investigative journalist who believes that he is completing the world's most important research, but in actuality, the questions that he is answering are things such as, when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? This will sound like you're listening to one of those profound podcasts from reputable news news sources, but inherently the questions that we are answering are very silly, but the experts that we talk to in order to answer these questions are very real. It's a fun time. The sound design is fantastic. I am very biased, but I think it's a great podcast. I think you'll think so as well. If you want to listen to it, you can search for Modern Muckraker wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to our website, modernmuck.com. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% right off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Griplet then abruptly asks him what they want in the vault, given that the sword is a fake. Harry says that there has to be some other stuff in there, right? And Griplet says that it's against goblin code to say what's inside. Harry asks if he will help because he's their one hope. And then he says, I will think about it, which is the ultimate blue balls for Harry. So he leaves and Ron is very upset. I kind of like how Griphook is a jerk. Yeah. And he's just falling over himself to help Harry like almost everyone is. I mean, basically, Harry's basically like, will you compromise all of your essential values and principles in order to help with an internal wizard struggle? And he's like, I dug a hole. (laughs) No, and then Griphook is like, maybe, but why would I? Bloody entitled Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Hermione asks Harry if he thinks that there is a Horcrux in the vault and Harry says yes. Ron brings up that they're supposed to be in important places and Harry says that maybe he would have put it into Gringotts because he would have envied someone who was able to put money there because he didn't have any to put in there and it would signify belonging in the wizarding world. That seems like a really shit about pop psychology, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, very tenuous. He's doing confirmation bias for sure. <laughs> but Although what is a good place to hide something of value with a load of other valuable objects? Yeah, it, it is solid, but I think he more should have been like Bellatrix flipped absolute shit yeah, when she thought she... you were in her vault, Hermione, and he doesn't bring this up once. He's just like, look at all these creative workarounds I've thought of. It's like, dude, just like go to the facts like bellatrix was freaking out crazily once she thought that hermione had access to the vault so like that that's your proof dude on a more basic level it is a building designed to protect objects from (laughs) anyone getting to them exactly so that would be a good place to put something you don't want people to get to (laughs) it does make sense but no he's got this big story about it harry then brings up again something that hagrid said before which is that gringotts is the safest place in the world aside from hogwarts which i called this like in episode two of Potterless, like, I think Gringotts is fucked. Like, <laughs> Gringotts 
getting broken into by someone. I don't know if the squad is going to be able to break into it or if the Death Eaters are going to do some stuff. I do not have high hopes for Gringotts Bank in this <laughs> book. <laughs> so Harry then goes on to talk to Ollivander. The wand maker of the chapter's title. Mm-hmm. When he gets into this room, he, of course, which keeps happening in these two chapters, gropes for his broken wand and asks Ollivander if it can be repaired. Ollivander says no, that with the damage that is done to this wand. I'm pretty sure it's Peter Pettigrew graphing for his broken wand earlier. <laughs> oh, stop <laughs> no, it! No. <laughs> so, Ollivander says, no, you can't fix it. Oh, should have bought a spare under my two-for-one deal. <laughs> so Harry then asks about the other two wands that he had stolen, and Ollivander is still sticking to his guns, does his classic Ollivander bit where he like lists the the type of the wood and how flexible it is and the core and blah. Like he does the whole shtick. You're like, skip to the end, old man. And it's like, just tell me whose it is. He says that one belongs to Bellatrix and that one belonged to Draco. Very specifically mentions mm-hmm. being in the past tense. And Harry's like, what? Isn't this still technically Draco's? Oh, yeah, but he, he says the same thing about Bellatrix's. He says this wand belonged to Bellatrix. So when they make the distinction. Yeah, I guess it's just Harry like brings it up when he says it the second time. Yeah, yeah. He's like, isn't it still his? And then Ollivander gets in this whole big thing of like, well, no, if you defeat the wizard, like the wand chooses the wizard, right? And mm. Harry's like, yes, I know. God, your catchphrase. We get it. Mm. But he says that the allegiance of the wand changes. Is Ollivander the only wand maker in the British wizard verse. And if so, he's been imprisoned for over a year. What have they been doing? There's been like a whole new generation of kids going to Hogwarts, presumably, and people have wand maintenance needs. Ooh. Who's making the fucking wands? <sighs> well, you say that. I mean, so I had a friend whose dad was a hat block maker, and I think there were only about eight in the country. I don't think you need a lot of wand makers because you buy one, you've got the yeah, wand. It's, but like, not a, it's everyone, like a TV, you don't get one every couple of years. Not every single person needs a hat block, just hat makers, but every single wizard needs a wand. Well, yeah, but they're like a hat block to a hat maker is like a wand to a wizard. It's the tool of their trade. And also, shouldn't Ollivander have at least a second in command for when he takes the day off or dies? Right. Otherwise, there's no one there who knows how to maybe make wands. Maybe he's got an apprentice one in the shop. Fucking hope so. No, the shop's <laughs> shut down, isn't it? Oh, it did. Okay. Yeah, it the is. The shop's fucked. Mm-hmm. He's got some sort of really great monopoly of the wand situation in yeah. the UK going on. He did some crafty government work to make sure no one else can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the Starbucks of wands, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, so Ollivander brings up that once a wand is won, it changes allegiance and gets on with the whole the wand chooses the wizard bit. And then there's an interesting back and forth of Harry not necessarily interrogating Ollivander, but he starts revealing all of the conversations and visions that he has seen from Voldemort's eyes when he was with Ollivander. And he just kind of starts laying out the whole story about what Voldemort is after. And Ollivander is shocked. He's very surprised. Like, how do you know? He keeps asking him, how do you know this? What the fuck? How do you know this stuff? Like, he had me tortured. I was alone. How do you know all these very specific details? Mm-hmm. But Harry pieces together exactly what Voldemort is doing, is that he had imprisoned Ollivander first about the whole wand matching core thing, and then it moved on to trying to use someone else's wand, and when that didn't work, then he was going after the Elder Wand, so he went to Grigorovich because we learned that Grigorovich, whether or not he actually had it, he advertised that he had the Elder Wand. So that caused Grindelwald to steal it from him, and then that was the vision that we saw. So then, after Voldemort saw that, he went after Grindelwald, and then that was the scene that we just saw, but he's still on the hunt for 
the Elder Wand, or the Death Stick, which is an awful name. That's really bad. It really reminds me of that scene in Evil Dead 3 where he's got a shotgun and says, this is my boomstick. It felt like about the same level of wand. you think in like the magical world they give it something a little bit more poetic, wouldn't you? Death Stick. Death Stick. (laughs) (laughs) So Harry puts two and two together and knows what is going down. Basically, he knows that the Elder Wand is actually in Dumbledore's possession, and he's talking with the squad about this, is that Dumbledore, when he defeated Grindelwald, because Grindelwald was said to have stolen the Elder Wand, and Dumbledore defeated him and then put him in Nurmengard, when Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald, he got the Elder Wand, and then he kept it at Hogwarts, and then Harry just now realizes that Dumbledore had it and they shouldn't have gone after it. Ron starts freaking out when he realizes it's like, what are you doing? We have, it's an unbeatable wand. What are we doing? Dilly dallying around. Like, what are we doing? Twiddling our fingers here. Let's get but the it's, wand. It's an unbeatable wand that Dumbledore won from Grindelwald. Oh yeah, that's true. So how is that even like, Grindelwald is like a super badass. I know Dumbledore's a good wizard and he's got the unbeatable wand. What did, like, Dumbledore didn't well, it's kill not, him in his sleep, did he? It's often not about the implements, but about the deficiencies of the wizard, isn't it? It's like Columbo. He's waiting for the people that he's investigating to reveal their own mistakes, even though they're very high-powered and higher status than Columbo. So there are lots of ways that you could potentially... What's the point of having an unbeatable wand if you get beaten all the time? (laughs) Or even just once. Once is enough. Then the wand is valueless because someone else has it. Well, you could still have a great wand and be a shit wizard. Yeah, the wand does choose the wizard. And in this case with the Elder Wand, you have a lot of wizards choosing the wand. So maybe it's just like not a good fit. Yeah. That's and what Ollivander would say. Yeah. <laughs> even though Grindelwald is a, is a badass wizard, he also presumably is evil enough to have a lot of flaws in his approach and his personality that mm. can then be exploited for disarming purposes. Yeah, maybe. So Harry also knows that Voldemort is going to find out that Harry's wand is broken because Harry realizes he's going to get Hermione's wand. They're going to do priori incantatum and they're going to realize that Harry's wand has been broken. So then after this is revealed, they ask Ollivander, like, do you really think this wand exists? And Ollivander says, yes, he really thinks it does. He believes that there are gaps, of course, in ownership between who had it, but he thinks that it is definitely a real wand that has been passed down from wizard to wizard and people would kill each other over it, etc., etc. He doesn't think it's a fairy tale or any sort of myth. But then later on, Harry asks if he believes in the Deathly Hallows and Ollivander does not even know. He just says, the the what? Uh, He says he has no idea what he's talking about. No one mentioned them until this book. (laughs) I haven't read the seventh book yet, Harry. That's the weird thing. Is it such a niche story? Like, it seems like it's quite a... That would, you know, people would hear about that, right? Yeah, it seems like it's in a popular, like, nursery rhyme book yeah, that has yeah, right. been spread It's like not having the... heard of Cinderella. Yeah, <laughs> or like Humpty Dumpty, or, <laughs> you know, the cat and the, the cow jumped over the moon, like, hey, or whatever. Yeah, the way yeah. that they framed it in Tales of the Beetle of the Bard, it made it seem like it was a fairly common yeah. book that you read for children. What is this, the three bears that you speak of? <laughs> He's had a very tough time. Who knows what kind of mental damage has occurred as a result of his imprisonment. It must have been very lonely. He's probably not been very well kept. Hasn't seen daylight. Mm-hmm. He seems like a bit of a weirdo. Uh, there is a line where he basically goes, if the Dark Lord got this wand, it would be kind of badass. Which I think is quite <laughs> Does funny. He? Yeah, he's like, the idea of the Dark Lord in possession of the Death Stick is, I must admit, formidable. Well, isn't that him just being worried? Or do you think he's like, oh, imagine the fireworks? No, I think there is a little bit of imagine the fireworks. There's the suggestion. Everyone loves a bad boy. Yep. That's why everybody's favorite Backstreet Boy was 
what was he? AJ, was he the bad boy? The one with the goatee, which signified bad boy. Well, it's uh, tenuous. <laughs> Do you think he's also like, I'd rather someone with ambition destroyed the world than just see mediocre bureaucrats slowly ruin it. Yeah. If it's either Ron Weasley or Voldemort inheriting the earth, I think I know which I would choose. Do you think Ollivander would have voted Trump just to like, just to create a bit of a stir? He's really going to change things. He's different. Well, Voldemort's just saying the things that we're all thinking. Oh, gosh. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. (laughs) After Harry reveals all of his thinking here, Ron is freaking out that they're not going after the unbeatable wand. And then we get a flash to the scene at Hogwarts. And I don't think this is actually a Harry Scar flashback. I think it's just the narrator deciding, oh, we're going to tell you what Voldemort's doing now for a dramatic effect. Meanwhile, back at Hogwarts. Yeah, it's, which seems, I guess you can do that in the book. No one's going to tell you not to. No, I think I think this is the, a flashback because it's talking about Harry walking across the lawn, but it's, it's obviously Voldemort walking across the lawn. Oh, I thought that was Harry through the eyes of Voldemort since he can see... From Voldemort's head. It didn't say the thing that it normally does, which is like his scar starts hurting. At this point, his scar's always hurting. I think <laughs> J.K. Rowling was just like, just take that for granted. Yeah, because it just says, I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to get the Horcruxes, dot, 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 and then it says, and now everything was cool and dark. So yeah, I guess the dot, dot, dots must signify that he got taken over by this flashback and he can see. Voldemort is flying. He glides alongside Snape uh, towards the lake. He says that he's going to join you in the castle shortly. Leave me now. And mm-hmm. goes up. Just got a bit of tomb to rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He just goes up to the tomb, which is by the lake. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. It says Harry walks slowly. So yeah, yeah, he did. This is like through the vision thing. It's like they've got walkie-talkies or baby <laughs> monitors or something. Voldemort then approaches the tomb and goes inside and sees Dumbledore's body there. And in the hands of Dumbledore inside the tomb is the Elder Wand. And Voldemort at first thinks that Dumbledore is just dumb. He asks the questions like, had the old fool imagined that marble or death would protect the wand? Had he thought that the Dark Lord would be scared to violate his tomb? The spider-like hand swooped in and pulled the wand from Dumbledore's grasp. And as he took it, a shower of sparks flew from its tip, sparkling over the corpse of its last owner, ready to serve a new master at last. And that is the end of chapter 24. And that is the end of this episode of Potterless on a dramatic somewhat cliffhanger in that Voldemort now has the Elder Wand, which would seem intimidating, but Martin has brought up, it's kind of a shit <laughs> wand. <laughs> the frequently defeated, undefeatable wand. <laughs> uh, yeah, really not a great selling point for the Elder Wand. <laughs> the undefeatable wand, defeated 58 times. <laughs> 59th charm. <laughs> What's that line in Anchorman about the, the aftershave that 89% of the time it works all the time. 60% of the time it works every time. But yeah, that's the end of these chapters and the end of this episode of Potterless. So how are you folks feeling about what's going on these two chapters? What lies ahead? It's very intense. There's a lot of business happening in these chapters. A lot of things happened. Yeah. So many things happened. Do you think too many things? I don't think too many things. A lot of things happen. Decent amount of people die. Dobby goes out in a blaze of glory. There's a lot of like people being impressed with Harry in this uh, chapter. Yes. Of, like Bill and Ollivander going, why did you do all these things? And um, Griphook, you seem like an impressive wizard because you don't treat yourselves like shit. Thanks, Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas what Harry has done is dig a hole. Mm-hmm. And what Hermione has done is try to save Harry by swelling up his face and be tortured. Yeah. And lie. A lot of lying in these chapters too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's 
very intense chapter work, and I am excited for what lies ahead. How does this compare to the chapters that have run up to it? Is there like an equivalent like death count? And- this is definitely like the action is really ramping up. Like this is the first time that it's been anything extendedly tense yeah. because you had some high tension scenes with like the snake thing, but all of that gets resolved super quickly. The snake comes out of Bethilda's neck and then they fight for like a little bit and then they disapparate. This is the only time where you get one of those big classic like matrix style action scene fights <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, people end up dying and then there's someone choking himself to death. Yeah. It's getting a lot darker now. Well, that's like the death of two major characters. Yeah. Characters that have been around since what book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that have been and around for a while. When did Dobby turn up? Dobby was book two. Book two. Wow. That early. Yeah. Okay. And Pettigrew was, I think, book three, unless he was referenced in the first Technically, two. Technically, Pettigrew is from the beginning of Scabbers. Oh, right. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. he's been here the whole book. As a speaking character, though. But a lot of this book has been kids on a rather depressing seeming camping trip. Yes. Mm. So it has not been as intense. And now shit's hitting the fan and it's getting a lot more hype. And also Voldemort, has Voldemort appeared in person in this book yet? Because he's not in book six really at all, is he? No, he's not. But he he's appeared sparingly. It's a lot of Harry like flashback stuff, but he was in the very first chapter because it's told from the Death Eaters perspective when yeah. they're in the meeting and they've got the body floating above their dinner table, etc. Yeah, but here you know that he and Harry are soon going to face off. Yes, now it is looming that Harry has chosen his lane, which is Horcruxes, and Voldemort has gotten the thing that he is after in the Elder Wand, so you see that Voldemort is now going to try to spend his time finding Harry, while Harry is trying to find his time finding the remaining Horcruxes, and uh, you can see the writing on the wall. They've destroyed several Horcruxes at this point. Is Voldemort feeling any ill effects they haven't noticed it to be significant i mean so far they've destroyed the locket the ring and the diary yeah half of them are gone he should be feeling it a little bit you would think maybe he's just not self-aware enough to realize that half his soul is gone yeah jeez. well i don't know but that's where we're at right now The other thing that I think is funny uh, that I've noticed, like the deaths that happen in these books, is that the deaths are escalating more and more for like people that we care about. So in the very beginning, you have a death of this teacher that we never met before. So she dies, whatever. Like, yes, we feel bad for her because she was nice and and she was pro-muggle, but she gets killed, sure. Then Hedwig dies, which is like, okay, a bird that we cared about, (laughs) fine. Then Mad-Eye Moody dies. And you're like, okay, yeah, he was Uh, our friend, but we didn't really know him that much, so he dies. It's quite an oddball. Yeah, then you get Pettigrew and you're like, okay, a significant villain dies, I guess. In an extraordinary way. (laughs) Yeah, and then now you get Dobby dying, who again, we really like Dobby a lot, but he's still not a wizard or someone that's been around from the beginning. He's always been cannon fodder, hasn't he? Yeah. He's like Chekhov's self-sacrificing character since you write. <laughs> I'm going to put this out there. I'm not sure that she's that good at writing deaths. Like, I remember back when Sirius died. I was very quick and abrupt. Yeah. I remember reading that book with my friends when it came out, and they were like, he fell through a curtain? <laughs> it's just so disappointing. I think also, at that point, Sirius has only been in it a bit in book like he's a baddie in book three we think he is in book four they communicate through what fireplaces is it he can't really be Um, in the scenes much because he's a he's a wanted man yeah book five like you're told that 
Harry cares about him, but I, f- I felt as a reader, I had not grown any attachment to him. Yeah, I wasn't really hit that hard by the death. No. I was more just surprised that happened so quickly. I didn't think he was going to die that early on in the series, just based on from me seeing Harry Potter related material. The series seems to be someone that people at least like. Yeah. But yeah, yeah he has like a two and a half book run. Yeah. Which really is short. really short. Yeah. So Dumbledore's death is obviously pretty striking. Mm-hmm. And I'd say Cedric Diggory as well. I was about to say that. Yeah. That's quite. Because, but that's the first yes. kid that dies, isn't it? Yeah. That one is really, I mean, kill the spare is just a devastating line for someone to go out on. <laughs> but it's almost the voice of the author coming through Voldemort. <laughs> Poor R-Pats. <laughs> kill the red shirt. <laughs> What's really scaring me about this book is that it has been very much like ramping up deaths of importance of people. And I'm very scared about who's next to die. Mm. Someone that we care about has to die, at least one person. And I don't know who it is. And I'm terrified. When you say, though, that grief is somewhat softened in the wizarding world by the fact that the dead often appear as ghosts or in moving portraits or magical objects. That's a thing. Everyone should just be a painting. Yeah. You get to chat with the painting. (laughs) You say that, but we've all got like, you know, Facebook videos of friends. Yeah, but those are from the past, whereas the paintings are observing things that are happening in front of them. Oh, they're more interactive. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. And they have emotions or something. I've heard a couple different theories about what the paintings actually are. Of course, they're not explained in the book. Sentient gifts. But I've heard things, something along the lines of like you can describe to your painting is painted but then you can describe later on like you tell it all of your details i don't know it's confusing to me that's really fun, but you could really misrepresent someone oh dad was a real cunt <laughs> <laughs> tell you what mom loved tennis painter playing tennis i like the idea that or with your uh, alternatively you could just present yourself in a way that wasn't true oh like, i mean i was a lion tamer in life of course i'm the best had an incredible body <laughs> yeah yeah beloved by women admired by men you really could just get the painter to paint you really hot and be like this is what i looked like <laughs> more abs yeah <laughs> it's in the kind of uh, grand tradition of portrait painting to make them a bit too flattering <laughs> Yeah, huh, well, maybe one day I'll learn about how the portraits work when I really secure that interview with J.K. Rowling and I ask her a bunch of silly, silly questions. You're like, listen, I just want to talk to you about the important stuff. What kind of paint are they using? <laughs> if I ever do get an interview with her, I will ask her the most ridiculous, meaningless questions ever. Like, she will walk out of that interview confused. <laughs> Was there no competition for once? Why has Ollivander got the monopoly? <laughs> He's going to retire. He's old. How unbeatable <laughs> is that wand? Yeah. Really unbeatable? It seems pretty beatable. On a scale of 0 to 10. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling at this stage of the series? Are you going to be sad it's over? Are you <sighs> excited by this book? I was a bit fed up with it the first time I read it. I've enjoyed revisiting it more than I enjoyed reading it at the time. I am glad that I have ended the camping trip. I don't think the camping trip was as bad as everyone pegged it to be, but I got to a a frustrating point where I was two thirds of the way through the book and I thought not not much has happened. Hmm. They killed one Horcrux and then ran away from a bunch of stuff. So I'm excited in that this is the point where clearly the action is going to start happening. So this is good. I think these later ones have pacing issues. Like, especially, is it five? Five's where it oh, gets really long. Where they just hang around a fireplace for like a hundred pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's sort of like fireplace for your home on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five, not great with pacing. This one was definitely slow to start, but I think it's really going to ramp up now. No spoilers, but I do remember thinking the 
ending of this book was very good. Yes. And I know that it's really action packed because they made this into two movies and I'm pretty sure the last movie is only about a hundred pages of the book. Yeah. So it must be really dense towards the end. And also when you read it at the Wikipedia page, a lot of characters who are still alive are referred to in the past tense. <laughs> I don't think this really needed to be two films because the camping trip is not that dynamic. I think it could have been done in one. Also, there's a lot of fights and those become a little bit monotonous. Mm-hmm. Like a Marvel film, you know that like most of the last act is going to be a big fucking fight. And you've already seen that in other Marvel films. Yeah, I am intrigued to see how they broke this up. But I have been told that finally, now that I've finished these chapters, I've at least gotten to the point where the seventh movie is, uh, which... Cool is still a bit much that I'm on chapter 25 out of 36, I think. And that is, you know, that's the quote unquote halfway point, so to speak, of the action. Mm. But who would have thought that these two chapters had two hours worth of stuff to discuss? Yeah. Hey, I knew knew it was going to be lengthy. I mean, we did talk for an hour and 45 minutes about all the ways Peter Pettigrew pleasured himself (laughs) to death. So I think that really (laughs) stretched it out a bit. That was the true climax of the story. (laughs) There it is. Well, Helen and Martin, thank you so much for joining. This has been absolutely lovely. You want to tell the the lovely (laughs) listeners where they can find you not talking about metal hands and what they may or may not be doing? (laughs) No, that's uh, that's the subject of all my work, actually. (laughs) I make a podcast called The Illusionist, which is about language, an entertainment show about language, and that's at theillusionist.org. And Martin and I are both on the podcast Answer Me This, which is at answermethispodcast.com. And I make a podcast called Song by Song, which is like Potterless, but instead of uh, Harry Potter (laughs) chapters, it's the music and songs of Tom Waits. Surprisingly enough, they hit the same demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can get that at songbysongpodcast.com. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. I'm very excited to see you guys in, I guess, like three days at PodCon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be Thanks good. Thanks for having us on. But of course, this episode's going to come out like months later. So that'll be <laughs> a real fun time travel when I finally post this. But thank you so much for being on. Listeners, thanks for listening. You guys need to go get some sleep since you're all jet lagged and stuff. Until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, right before they pleasure themselves with metal hands. <laughs> Wizard on! (laughs) If you're either caught up on Potterless or you want to know what this whole multitude thing Shubes keeps talking about is, you should go to multitude.productions. We have five incredible podcasts with more to come and a lot of resources that can help you if you run your own podcast or thinking about starting one. All of that information lives at multitude.productions. Potterless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Wilkins, Klaus Lopu, Rebecca Adamek, Frank Giotto, Marchismo, Tori Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Jenna Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Abita Med, Caitlin Jordan Pontolo, Rosemary Dodge, Jill Boulay, Maria Lisa C. Keen, Ariel Bird, Romina Rivdenira, Kumail Doc, Russell Dunk, Dustin Wolin Cooch, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Sydney Cawthorn, Billy Hinton, Rossanne Batamana, Andrea Franz, Nikita Power, Lala Palmer, Chelsea Green, Taylor Armstead, Lovekesh Longer, Ali Madsen, Cassandra Aponte, Roxy Chaos, Amelia Krauss, Sean Montag, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Jessica Ann, Arnica the Daughter, Tiago Costa, Jessica Jacob, Orchid Grower, Steve Trillover, Vivian the Owl, Takaria Ront, Haley Hastings, Marino, Moster, Pinky Pan, Angelina with Red, Russ Marie Heisig, Lee Ganji Singh, Alex Bisholta, Brian Williams, Caitlin Sullivan, Finn Stuckey, Musin Siddiqui, Grace Riggle, Sammy Shaw, Raul Pineda, Ingan Odstadter, Mary Wynn, Brianne Wingate, Alexandra Consilver, John Cotker, Jenna Juice, Noel Basilay, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Michael Russell, Robin Fernandez, Patricio Colon, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Mariah Noah, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Teal, Cena Schutzberg, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillum, Sarah and Patrick Dunvant, Alicat29, Haley Bowen, Veronica Bartova, Kevin Hernoy, Lada B, Noah, Tracy Toya, Lucinda, Carlos Nino, Pam Webb, Colleen King, Jennifer Marklu, Frida J. Svedson, Ivor Peterson, Naomi Guglielmo, Tyler Latshaw, Summer Rathel, Heather Fleischman, Vera Cullithan, Carrie D. 
Magison, Andrea Kroc, Elisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Emily Gale, Ryan King, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Weekend of Dead Cat Ladies, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Kimberly Savage, Surgeon Thanme Gupta, Brittany Gutierrez, Nada Atabani, Tumnus Moran, Remy Fontaine, Matt Sferly, Sarah Shecker, Lauren Cook, Nova VM, Kyle, Zena Rosnowski, Emily Tilly, Colleen Mage, Harlan Haskins, Akansha Saxena, Wouter Vandermaiden, Shelby Darnell, Noelia, Reese Clark, Adriana Cox, Brian, Yukami Beats Waffles, Wush and Large, Jenny Campione, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Dorcas Courtney Hemwood, Kine Roan, Amanda Alfred, Sabrina, Lauren Cook, Claire Chellner, Elisa McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Skymart Six, Sarah Shetter, Peter Vostanak, Yash Patel, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wade, Aaron Richter, CJ Ochoco, Aileen Jesh, Kate L. Dobbs, Violet Sullivan, Hannah Suzanne Gormley, Kat Yowell, Lindsay Towning, Elizabeth Agathon, Fielding Lee, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Patina Kampamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can go to Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, or Reddit.com slash R slash Potterless. For all information about the show, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com, and all bonus content lives at Patreon.com slash Potterless. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, a wizard on! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.